0: Hey, um, thanks for moving forward. Um, it may not seem like a big deal, or actually maybe such a hassle for you, but it actually makes such a big difference for those of us who are up front. It's really um, nice to have people a little bit closer. I'm also at this stage where my eyesight is not as good because it's called middle age. So um, thank you for making that allowance. Um, and yeah, just in the future, it'd be great if you know just make a habit of sitting towards the front. There's still lots of empty spaces towards the front. I don't know what it is about. I don't spit that far. Um, And uh, it'd be really great if, uh, just as a point of encouragement to the people out front, um, both the band leaders as well as the service leaders, definitely to the preacher, um, that actually you being closer actually makes such a big difference. So thank you for that, and sorry about the trouble, but I hope you see that it's worth it. Um, Does anyone here play poker? Anyone? Willingly admit, uh, Danny Tien, of course you do. Um, (laughs) I am not much of a poker player. Uh, but one of the things that is interesting about poker, the couple of times I played, and unique, almost pretty much unique about poker, is that you can win big, right, in just one round. Like, even if you're behind, it just takes one round, one hand, to really turn things around. And in poker, it's because there's this thing that you can do in poker, it's called going all in, right? That is, when you, in the one round, you decide to bet everything that you've got, go all in, bet everything. Now, it's a high-risk gamble, but it can pay off, can't it? In one round, you could lose it all, but then you could potentially win it all as well. Now, Ruth chapter 3 is really Naomi and Ruth going all in. Uh, Up to this point in the story, things have been turning around. Things have been getting better. But now Naomi wants to up the stakes completely. She wants to go for glory, right? It's all or nothing. Um, If you haven't been with us, let me just do a quick recap. We've been in Ruth. This is week three or four. Um, Ruth, uh, this book in the Old Testament began with a journey. Well, a couple of journeys. A journey to a foreign land, but then also a journey returning back to God's land, And it follows the journeys of Naomi and her family. Um, She left, right, with a hope of a better life because there was a famine in God's land, so they went to a foreign land. But then by the time she returned from this journey, she was completely empty and completely destitute. Her husband and her two sons all die. Now, in an ancient world, all right, that is pretty bad. That makes you completely vulnerable. You're female, you have no sons, all right, and no grandsons. But of course, there's a bigger journey in the book of Ruth. The bigger journey is the journey from poverty to plenty, the journey from bitterness to bounty, the journey from ruin to redemption, and that's really the bigger story of Ruth. Uh, so, at the end of chapter one, Ruth—sorry, uh, Naomi—has nothing, right? Nothing except one foreign daughter-in-law whose name is Ruth. And Ruth, strangely enough, clings to Naomi and says, I'm going to make your God my God and I'm not going to leave you. She throws her lot in with her mother-in-law. Now, from a human point of view, a destitute mom-in-law with a Gentile widow daughter-in-law is not a better situation. It's arguably a worse situation. Now you've got an extra mouth to feed, all right? But you see, from God's point of view, this one person that Naomi is left with is actually the seed from which God is going to bring plenty out of poverty, bounty out of bitterness, redemption out of ruin, that this foreign Moabite girl, Ruth, right, is really all that Naomi needed. So that's chapter 1. In Ruth chapter 2, we see how God, and last week uh, Dan preached to us, Dan from... um, Bankstown preached about how God's providence, right, God's secret hidden way of controlling events for the sake of His people, how it began to play out. Um, We we met Boaz in chapter 2, verse 1. And Boaz, importantly, is introduced as a man of standing or a man of worth, a man of noble character. That's going to become an important theme later on, Um, just how noble, how worthy we'll see in chapter 3. Um, In chapter 2, at Naomi's instruction, Ruth begins to glean at Boaz's uh, field. Um, During harvest, he's a rich man, he's a landowner. She gleans at his field. Now, it's not that she is working for him or harvesting for him. It's actually part of God's provision for the poor of the land, for poor people to be able to come and after the harvest, take the excess for themselves. But during this time, Boaz just happens to notice Ruth and goes out of his way to protect her and provide extra for her. At the end of last chapter, we find out that in the providence, in the secret working of God for the good of his people, that Boaz just isn't a a random rich kind man, but he's actually a close enough relative to make a big difference in their fortunes. Um, He's a guardian redeemer is the term in chapter 2 verse 20. Uh, What's that about? Well, there are laws in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that says if you die... Right? and you don't die without sons, um, then in order for you not to lose your inheritance to someone outside of the family, the closest male relative has an obligation to sort of become a surrogate husband and father to the widow so that the family line can continue. That's what a guardian redeemer is, and by providence, Boaz happens to be a close enough relative to be a guardian redeemer. And that's how chapter 2 ends, All right, seems that we're setting up for something, right? Setting up for something. But what is that something? Well, in chapter 3 that we just read, we're going to see not only how God will follow through in redeeming those two vulnerable women, but we're going to actually have a beautiful glimpse of what we know as the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus this story is actually our story. We are actually in this story. It's a lovely story of redemption, not just for Naomi and Ruth, but also about us as well. So that's where we're going to go. Let's pray and let's get into it. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we open up your word, help us to see in this lovely tale of redemption, your redemption of us through Jesus, and help us to learn and grow. Amen. Okay, I've got a few points there. Firstly, Naomi's gamble. Uh, Let's read again. Keep your Bibles open. I won't have it on the slide, but please keep your Bibles open uh, to Ruth chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1 One day, Ruth's mother in law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home. uh, Literally, the word is rest, okay, a place of rest for you, where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you've been working, Is a relative of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley in the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now, what Naomi tells Ruth to do here is, I hope you can even see, super risky, right? Super risky, especially for Ruth. Um, you know, in the world of spies and espionage, you know what this is called? It's called a honey trap. You heard a honey trap? Okay, using a spy, usually a woman, to seduce a target to achieve your goal. It's a honey trap. And it's as borderline dodgy as it sounds. Um, so the symbolism of uncovering Boaz's feet in the middle of the night, it works on a couple of levels. Now, on the sort of innocent level, it's to say, I'm your lowly servant. And I need you to spread the corner of your garment over me so that you can protect me, so that you can help me. In other words, I'm a nobody, but I'm throwing my lot in with you. Please help me. That's on the innocent level. But on another level, right, it's a little bit opening yourself up to be taken advantage of, isn't it? It's sort of giving consent for him to do with you whatever he wants. If he were to take advantage of Ruth sexually that night and then decided to ditch her or maybe make her his property, nothing she could do about it. She's consented. She's a foreigner. She's a nobody. She couldn't protest. You see how risky it is? Now, I want to add to this, there's a bit of a history in the Old Testament about men who partied hard, celebrated, woke up, uh, drunk, sorry, and woke up the next day to surprises. Right? That's essentially what Naomi's telling Ruth, to do, wait, wait till he's partied hard, maybe a little bit drunk, maybe a lot drunk, all right? Now, in the Bible, there's a couple of times when that's turned out really, really badly. Uh, you may know the story of Noah. Noah, right? Noah, the flood Noah. Righteous guy Noah. Well, he gets completely drunk, and one of his sons walks in, sees him completely nude, um, and it doesn't end up well for his son. Um, and then even worse, uh, a guy called Lot. This is Abraham's nephew, Lot. Uh, He gets drunk by his daughters. His own two daughters forced him to commit incest. Yes, it is as bad as it sounds. And from that incest come two foreign nations. And this is no accident, one of which is Moab. All right? So there there are precedences that is not good. And so why would Naomi play such a dangerous hand given this kind of background? Or back to the game of poker. A good person, uh, sorry, a good poker player, they say, I've heard, right? If you're a good poker player, you don't play your hand. What do you do? You play the other players. That's what poker players are supposed to do. You play the other players. It's not really about your hand. You can have a terrible hand. It doesn't matter. You can still win. Why? Because it's a game about reading your opponents, isn't it? So you can bluff or you can read their bluffs. You can work out where they're going to fold or when they're going to keep going, and you act accordingly. That's how you win poker. You play the other players. Naomi's gamble is going to pay off because of who she's playing. And it's Boaz. And remember Boaz, we already introduced in chapter 2, verse 1. The first thing it says about Boaz, he was a man of standing. He was a man of worth. He was an upright man. And so, my second point, Boaz's worthiness. We're going to keep reading. Um, verse 7, follow with me. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. It's probably because it's really dark, you can't see a thing, all right? Spread the corner of your garment, or literally spread your wing, over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it's true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there's another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. see what Boaz is doing. Boaz shows how he really is that man of standing and integrity and noble character. Remember, he could have taken advantage of her so easily. We know that he was already attracted to Ruth. He could have taken the shortcut to possess her, make her his and no one would have done anything about it but what he does is acts in her interest completely and protects her including her honor instead i want to show you what stands out about boaz and this is important for us to know firstly boaz has self control okay he's celebrating the harvest he's drinking it says his heart is glad, he may be happy from the alcohol, but it's very clear he, he's not drunk, all right? Not like Noah, not like Lot, even when it came to celebrating, he had self-control. And obviously, he controls any attraction he has so as not to take advantage of her sexually. He doesn't even touch her. That's self-control. Secondly, Boaz sees her true worth. Boaz doesn't look at her and judge her based on her looks, although it's likely she was quite attractive. That's why he mentions there's all these other young men you could have gone after. Probably the young men had been talking. Oh, look at that Ruth, you know? Right? She's probably quite attractive. But he doesn't... That's not what's important to him. He highlights her worth based on her character. It's really interesting. Verse 11, he says that she is a woman of noble character. Now, that is exactly the same description of Boaz back in chapter 2 verse 1, when it says he's a man of standing, same word, a man of noble character, she's a woman of noble character. And incidentally, for those who know, that's also the Proverbs 31 description of the wife or the woman of noble character, Ruth, noble character. And he sees that, that's her true worth. Number three, Boaz insists on integrity. He wants to do things by the book. Right, he is a guardian redeemer, a relative, but he's not the closest relative, and he's not going to take shortcuts and bypass that. In the next chapter, when we uh, hear it next week, Brett's going to be preaching to us. By the way, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Boaz is going to sort that out, but he refuses to shortcut integrity. He's a man who will do the right thing, even though he didn't have to. And then, probably most important of all, number four, he sees everything in relation to God and this is the key see Boaz is a man who knows and fears the Lord fear in a good way respects honors the Lord see even in the dark of night when he could get away with anything he does everything as if God was watching it doesn't make a difference to him whether it's in the night or in the day and he mentions the Lord multiple times right in in, in the way he talks which, by the way, if you've ever tried to sin or have sinned intentionally in secret, the last thing you want to do is talk a lot about God, right? Yeah? Because he's acting in integrity and everything is done in relation to God. He also sees all of her actions and his actions in relation to God's actions. Um, there's a few words used in these verses. He, when he mentions her kindness in verse 10, it's the word hesed. Right? I've used that word a lot. It's, chesed is um, a, a, the, the Old Testament special word to describe God's loving, faithful, covenantal kindness and faithfulness and steadfast love to His people. It's mainly used of God. Um, but it's also used of Ruth here in verse 10. Not just here, but in chapter 1. Right, Ruth's kindness to Naomi in chapter 1 is a picture of God's kindness, or chesed, to His people. And Boaz sees that. And then when Ruth asks that Boaz spreads the corner of his garment over her, it's literally what he said to her when he blessed her. Um, I want to show you back in Ruth 2 verse 12 when he said, May the Lord repay you. He's blessing Ruth. He says, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings... It's actually the same word translated the corner of your garment back in chapter 3 when Ruth asked for the corner of his garment to be spread over. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. In other words, he sees when Ruth says, spread your wings over me, he says, ah, now is my chance to act on behalf of God. Which in chapter 2 is what he said he hoped would happen right? for Ruth in relation to God. He knew that he would be acting on the Lord's behalf, to care for Ruth in the way that the Lord would care for her. Because everything for Boaz is seen in light of his relationship with God. Now, I hope you're impressed by Boaz. And we're supposed to be. The chapter ends with Ruth leaving secure, protected, well-fed in more ways than one. Right? And, And we'll continue the story next week. But this is basically how this chapter ends. But it's all turned out so well, the gamble has paid off, all because of Boaz and how worthy he is. So, a couple of application points. In this world, harmed by toxic masculinity on the one hand, and irresponsible men children on the other hand, isn't it great to see a model of what men are supposed to be like yeah don't we need this don't we need this i mean you guys heard of jordan peterson he wrote a book 12 rules for life it's not rocket science it's like really basic stuff why is it so popular especially amongst young men it's like they've discovered something that they've never discovered before why is it so popular i'll tell you why it's because for generations we haven't had good models of men That's why Jordan Peterson is so popular. But here is one great example. So men, it's time to man up and be like Boaz. So be men of self-control. Control your lust. Say no to pornography. Control your alcohol. Don't get drunk. Don't overindulge in your hobbies, in gaming, or food, or spending. Control your greed, don't gamble. Control your tongue, what you say. Control your temper, control your ego. Be men of self-control, like Boaz. Secondly, be men who see the true worth in others, especially when it comes to women. Don't objectify women. Don't feed into the lie that a woman's worth is primarily their appearance. Don't rate women, even as a joke. Don't demean them, even as a joke. Learn to see that character is king. Love what God loves in women, and in all people. Help uncover that in others. Model good character to others. That's true worth. Be men who insist on integrity. Be men of your words. Keep your promises. Come on time. Be there when you say you will. RSVP early, not last minute when all the other options have run out. Treat others, especially women, with respect. Serve them, protect them, honor them. And if you're dating a woman, then make lifelong promises to her, it's called marriage, before you touch her. That's integrity. And of course, lastly, and most importantly, do everything in relation to God. The Latin is corum Deo. It means the face of God. Right? Our lives are lived coram deo, before the face of God. Do nothing in secret as if God is not there. Every action, every word, everything, do it in the presence of God as if it was the light of day. And if you mess up, confess it to God and others. And with God's help, try again because everything is done, including when we fail in the presence of God. Now, I want you for a moment to imagine if the church, imagine if our church was filled with men... Young and old who are like that. Wouldn't that be something? Which means, women, don't settle for toxic men or irresponsible man boys. There's a lot of uh, Boaz and Ruth memes out there. I'm going to put one up. I'm not allowed to read it out because my wife would kill me if I. So I'm just going to put it out there and you can read it yourself. Take some time. Appreciate the humor. <laughs> <laughs> and if uh, Karen asks, I didn't show you this. <laughs> no, no, no. It's funny. Um, but if you are dating one of these, yeah, don't give up straight away. <laughs> Have a serious conversation with them. Talk about how they might change. Uh, But, you know, if you're dating a guy and he's really not even on the trajectory of being a Boaz, um, you can do better. Sorry, women. Right? You can do better. Now, if you're married to one of these, uh, stay with them. You made promises, unless it's abuse or, you know, adultery and that kind of stuff, unless you're in danger. But stay with them, and it's hard. Pray every day for them. Trust in God to do the change. Um, Don't nag them. That generally doesn't work. (laughs) Encourage them. One of the best things you can do is encourage them to get into friendship and community with guys who are a bit more like that. That can really make a difference. Okay. But my last point, ultimately, though, Uh, Ruth 3 isn't just about doing better as men or finding better men. See, ultimately, as I said, Ruth 3 is a picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. See, just as Boaz spreading his wings of protection over Ruth is how the God of Israel spreads his wings of protection over his people. So this whole thing is actually a pointer to what God does for us through Jesus Christ. You see, we don't just all need Boazes in our life. We all need the Boaz in our life. You get what I'm saying? We all need the Boaz. I mean, we're all like Ruth. We come with nothing. Spiritually vulnerable, destitute. We're all Gentiles, by the way, right? Foreigners with no hope in ourselves of security or a future. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, in fact, we're dead in our transgressions and sins. What hope do you have? Your only hope is to come to the feet of the Savior and humbly ask for mercy. Like the tax collector in Jesus' parable, have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. Like the thief on the cross who says, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. We all, like Ruth, come with nothing. We come broken. We come vulnerable. But when we do, like Ruth come to our Boaz, we're not met with someone who will ignore us or scold us or judge us or worse yet take advantage of us. When we come to Christ, He protects us. He speaks tenderly to us. He gives life-changing promises to us. He spreads His garment over us to shelter us. We come guilty, broken, deserving of punishment. Jesus takes all of that and bears it on our behalf on the cross and then he takes his perfect garment of perfect righteousness and he puts that over us that's the gospel because Jesus is the perfect boaz you see if you're not yet a follower of Jesus the question today is will you throw your lot in with the perfect boaz and it's risky yes becoming a christian is risky it's a gamble it's a step of faith but I hope you see that going all in with Jesus is worth it. You will not be left short. You will be given everything that matters in life in return. And Christian men, maybe you realize today just how far from a man of worth like Boaz you really are. Right? You can't go through a list like that and not feel a little bit guilty or a lot guilty. Well, don't despair because in the perfect Boaz and under his wings you can find forgiveness. And righteousness and a fresh start, no matter how terribly you've done so far. But more than that, when you grow in a healthy relationship with Jesus, He changes you. He gives you the power to change, to become more and more like Him. And the more that you recognize your need, the more that you daily come to Jesus in confession, in brokenness... Crying out to him, the more that he will change you. So you too, take shelter under his wings and find your security in life and power to change right there. Let's get ready to sing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the perfect Boaz, that when we come to you in need of shelter and vulnerable and needy, you cover us With your perfection you love us you protect us you shower us with blessing and eternal life and relationship with you how we need you as individuals particularly as men for those who really feel rebuked by the example of boaz how we need you lord jesus our perfect boaz and we pray that we might begin a revolution a revolution to be a church That will do masculinity and uh, maleness in a way that's like Jesus rather than like the world. So that we can show off how good you are. Amen. Let's sing.